Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hi, everybody. I'm Trish Laub, and I'm filling in for Dr. Pat today. I have my own show on this network called A Cup of Comfort. It's all about care heroes, those people who provide care for another who cannot fully care for themselves. While I'm not going to be talking specifically about care heroes today, I'm curious. Did any of you find yourself unexpectedly in the role of a care hero this year as a result of COVID? Or did your role as a care hero intensify as the result of the pandemic? The care paradigm has changed during the pandemic and will never go back to what it was, making many more of you care heroes than ever before. Anyway, on A Cup of Comfort, we talk about all topics related to providing care, and no topic is off limits. So check out the Care Hero radio page of my website, trishlaub.com, that's Trish, T-R-I-S-H, Laub, L-A-U-B as in boy.com after the show. So you may be thinking, that you aren't a care hero, and maybe you're asking yourself why you should care about armor or resilience. Am I right? Well, I ask you to stay with me because my, what my guest has to share today really is for everyone. We've all had our backs up against the wall at some point in our life for one reason or another, haven't we? Can you think of a time that that was true for you? A time maybe when you really were really challenged and perhaps felt a little trapped. I know that I have many times in my life. So grab a cup of whatever you want to drink and sit back and relax. This will be invaluable. I want to start by reading the foreword of Chasing Life, a book written by my guest and due out this summer. Dr. Suzanne Rose wrote the foreword and said this, Chasing Life. I have been thinking a lot about the word chasing. It is one of my toddler granddaughter's favorite words as she runs around acting like she hopes that someone will catch up to her, but truly wishing she will outsmart whoever is behind her and stay in the lead. You're about to read a love story, a story of triumph, a story of drive, passion, compassion, and about a courageous fight in the face of adversity. I came to know Dr. Desiree Party as someone who was always chasing her dream. She did not just pursue the dream in order to catch up. She caught up with her dream, outsmarted that dream, and pursued another and another and another. Chasing Life is the perfect title for this labor of love, a portrait of an incredible young woman pursuing her passion, surpassing every expectation, and then moving forward again until she could go no further because of of a devastating and aggressive disease. But anyone who met Desiree casually would never have known any of that. Her cheerful countenance, her enthusiasm, her bright smile never betrayed the battle she was fighting or her drive to satisfy her curiosity, create her, create her scientific knowledge or take exceptional care of her patients. Now that was part of the foreword to a memoir that details the story of a truly extraordinary woman, Dr. Desiree Party, but equally extraordinary as the man behind the book her husband, Robert, who Dr. Rose described as Desiree's spirited and devoted husband. Robert has not only lived, but also embodies what I believe about providing care for another. After communicating with him and listening to his interviews and podcasts, I quickly realized that we are aligned not only in our care philosophy, but also in our life philosophies. And Robert truly has blended both. That's why what he has to say today really applies to everyone. Now, before I introduce my guest, I want to let everyone know that some of the information from today's show will be available in a downloadable PDF on the Care Hero radio page of my website, trishlaub.com, after the show. So born in New York City, Robert worked at a wealth fund in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, has lived in Rome, and now lives in a small Italian village in the National Park of Abruzzo. 
After caring for his wife during a life-limiting illness in 2014, Robert decided to leave his comfort zone working in finance to pursue what he deemed to be a more purposeful path. Throwing caution to the wind, he pursued a childhood dream to live in Italy and followed a passion born while caring for his wife to become a life coach. He now lives in the same Italian village that his great-grandfather immigrated from over 100 years ago and is a certified life coach. He is one of those rare individuals who embraces change and lives by a philosophy which he calls possibility and action, taking his desire for transformation and putting it into action every day. I am so happy to welcome Rob, and it is exciting to finally meet you face-to-face -face after communicating virtually for quite a while. I, I am thrilled to be here, and um, I knew your energy would just be over the top, so I'm loving it already. <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> well, it's infectious. It's infectious. If, if, you, if you know my energy, you know I want to jump right in sure. and ask you if you could spend a few minutes just sharing your, your care hero journey and how you got to what you do today. Sure. Um, well, I actually, the care caregiver's journey, the care hero journey, really started when my wife was diagnosed, but the skills that I was able to put in place, I learned growing up in a dysfunctional relationship with an alcoholic father. And that really taught me a lot about resilience. It taught me a lot about grit. And basically what wound up happening is I was offered a job in Abu Dhabi. I wasn't really sure about taking it, but my wife and I, we, we both loved experience. We both just wanted to live the most unusual life, let's say. And she was like, yeah, let's take it. You should take it. She was doing her PhD. She was studying to do an MD PhD. And she's like, I'm busy anyway. So you go. And they were giving me a lot of vacation. And she said, we'll meet six weeks in a different country, every six weeks in a different country. Oh, it, it just sounded wonderful. It really nice. sounded wonderful um, that the United Arab Emirates was was amazing in the late 90s. So I took the job and after she finished her PhD before going back to do the MD, she said, let me come and live there for a year. It was a two year contract. I did one year. So she wanted to experience the Middle East as well. When she flew over to get a residency visa, you actually have to go through a medical screening in the Emirates. And that's when they found that she had stage three breast cancer uh, right before her 31st birthday. What wound up happening was the doctor, and it's not because of the Muslim religion, I truly believe it was because there was this bright, vibrant 30 year old woman that was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was unusual and he didn't know basically how to interact. So he told me the information and when I broke the news to my wife, I asked her what she wanted to know. And she said, only the next steps. And basically that led to not me just being a caregiver, but in a way her surrogate, because I had to make all the decisions as if I were dying. She gave me a template. She wanted to be very aggressive, but she didn't want to know the specifics. There came a point in time that she actually asked to know some of the specifics. I didn't share everything because I didn't think it was worthwhile to her. Um, she had known that the cancer had spread to her liver because she needed a liver resection. Um, but at that point in time, it was also in her bones and they saw a spot in her lung. There was no reason to tell her that because it wasn't going to change anything. So over the 11 years, I cared for her and also protected her coping mechanisms. Uh, I, I was the one that stood in front of everything so it didn't touch her and it allowed her to live her life the way she wanted to and die the way she wanted to. And I will tell the people, everybody listening, I know a lot more about Robert's story and that's the tip of the iceberg. What he did was actually very, really, really extraordinary. What he did and, and how his wife, and he put together um, their lives. And so um, 
Yeah, I could definitely go more in depth in that if 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 you want. I know we have so much to cover. I know. So. <laughs> well, we're actually here today to talk about uh, removing armor and resilience. But I will mention now. I was going to mention it later. Um, I'd be doing an interview on my show, A Cup of Comfort, with Rob on June eighth, where he can get a little bit more into his actual care story. So, um, yeah, I just it's that's a great introduction and the tip of the iceberg. Um, I want to rewind for a second. Thank you for sharing that. I want to rewind for a second. On my uh, April 11th show, um, I focused on the use of words and words such as battle and fighter and fight and warrior and armor and things like that. And um, anyone who's listened to A Cup of Comfort knows that, that the use of words is really, really important to me. And I know that we're going to be talking about using some of those words. So um, I'm wondering if a good place to start is just to, to start talking about that armor. And I think that was probably part of your process while you were providing care. Sure. Um, and in fact, I was my wife's armor. Um, my, oh. my, my, my wife, because she was studying, uh, she was doing an MD PhD, but because she wanted to be a doctor. She knew very early on that she knew enough to be dangerous to herself. And so I, I became her shield. But what I realized about armor, and, and it, was, it was very interesting because my wife was in remission for a short period of time. And during that remission, I was elated and she became clinically depressed. And her oncologist actually told her that he was going to stop being her oncologist if she didn't go see a therapist and start antidepressants. When the cancer returned, she felt relieved and I was devastated. Now, she explained to me later on that she couldn't deal with the worry of it coming back because she knew it was, it was highly likely. Um, even though she didn't know she had 11 to 12 lymph nodes positive, the size of the tumor, she didn't know any of that, but she knew that she was young, it was an aggressive cancer. So I, at that point in time, started to seek out my own armor. And it was because it hit me and I felt unprotected. But what I realized about putting on armor is that it was, it was making me weaker because the armor became the definition of my strength. I, my identity of being strong was my armor. And it wasn't until I lived the pain on my own skin that I was able to make impactful decisions. Because when you're wearing armor, I think, I think of it this way, maybe it's because I live in Italy, maybe it's because I'm just, I, I like to fantasize, but armor is heavy, right? Yeah. You have a limited range of motion when you're wearing armor. You have a very thin slit in the helmet that you can see through. And what I learned is trying to protect myself with different coping mechanisms and everything else was the same exact thing. I had to be there naked in the arena to battle, to truly battle. And I know you believe the same thing as I do. I wasn't fighting against. When you're wearing armor, you're ready to fight against something. But a lot of times it's wasted energy because it's out of our control. But when when I stripped down and I was in the arena, I realized I was fighting for. Mm -hmm. I was there vulnerable as myself, willing to do what needed to be done. And it was in that moment, I have goose pimples, by the way. It was in that, <laughs> it was in that moment that I realized by taking off the armor, I learned what I was capable of. With the armor, I had no idea what I was capable of. And when I got down and got dirty, I was able to help her help us live an amazingly joyful life. I mean, we lived in a state of joy that 
to this day, it still, it still touches me. I say all the time that I am beautifully scarred for having loved and lost my wife because it was an amazing journey regardless that she passed away. And that was because there was no armor. That was because it, I felt it. And, and the, the, I don't like to use the word battle, but it's very hard to find the right word. The, yeah, the, let's say the battle. The, the battle became so purposeful. Mm-hmm. I wasn't with my armor trying to necessarily win. You know, winning is such a funny thing because we're so addicted to the be to be able to win. But if we tie everything to that final outcome, we miss the whole thing in between. And again, that's what taking off the armor let me do um, because it, it is, if, if, if you don't feel it on your skin, you're not, you're not all in. So I, I love the explanation and the description very, I'm a visual person of the armor and the slit and the, you know, that you could see through. So when you were in the arena in wearing the armor, if I understood you correctly, you were fighting against something and that some, what was that something? Actually, I was fighting against the uncontrollable. Okay. I was, I was fighting against wanting, wanting to fix my wife. I think the most difficult thing as a caregiver, but I want the people that are listening, it's a caregiver. Everything is, is heightened when, when you're a caregiver. But in, in life, battling against the uncontrollable, that's, that's, that's what I mean, because I couldn't fix her. It wasn't my job to fix her, but it was my job to help her through her life's journey. Right. And I needed to take off the armor to do that. I needed to take off the armor so I could give all of myself, not the shield. And when the armor came off, so with the armor on, you were fighting against something. When the armor came off, what did it become? You were fighting for something or working for something? Uh, no, it, 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 it was that, yes, I would say fighting for something, but, but even more, I was giving purposefully to the person I love. It's it, a switch of focus. It's, it's a 100% switch of focus and it is, it's an act of surrender. Um, it is looking to make the best of a situation. Mm-hmm. It's not wasting because I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, maybe it comes from my economics background, but you know, Looking, looking at how you spend things, and we spend our time, we spend our energy. We actually do. It, it's it's a commodity that's non-renewable. And so, the moment I took off the armor to understand the complexity of the arena, and not just what I was seeing through the slit, that it allowed me to more than anything else focus on the ordinary moments which I think is instrumental in life. It's not just because of a caregiver, but, and it sounds so corny. And and I know if people, some people that are listening to this, I understand because I was one of those people a long time ago with this idea of, oh, our life takes place in the moments, but it actually does. It it actually does. We we think, we, we fear the future we're, we're wasting our energy because we have no idea. We ruminate over the past and I wish things were different. We can't do anything about it. How much time is left to enjoy the moment? Well, it's interesting you say that because I had a conversation with somebody yesterday and they pointed out to me that when we think about our friends or our family or our best memories, it's in moments. It's in three, four moments yeah. of time. And we lose the focus on that, definitely. 
So you said a word, <laughs> you've said the word already, um, uh, yeah. that I would like you to talk about, surrender. Sure. That word, so when I did this uh, episode on April oh, what, 11th, 11th. Um, I talked about connotation and denotation of words. Hmm. And that, so the literal meaning of the word surrender, but the feeling that we get from that word. And I've heard you talk about this before, so I, I'm asking you to share that with the people who are listening today, because it's a great explanation. Sure. Um, we all think of surrender as giving up. Uh, it, it, it just has that connotation. We think of it as weakness. I learned it is the complete opposite. It is empowerment. It is being brave. Um, you know, basically what surrender allows you to do is to, to focus on what you have, focus on what's under your control. Because there's so much on that's uncontrollable, unnecessary in life. And so surrender liberates you to live life. I know you've probably read the quote that, or the, yeah, the quote that I say, you know, surrender is taking a breath of fresh air when you're hiking up a mountain. Um, if I really attribute it to, let's say the caregiving role or what's happening with the pandemic right now? Let's let's forget just the pandemic in general, everybody's life. We've been asked in a way to run a marathon. We never wanted to run. And if you're holding your breath during that marathon, it is torture. If you surrender and you take the breath during the marathon, you're able to run the marathon. And, and that's what that's what surrender is because surrender, we carry so much with us. We, we are attached, we have fears, we have expectations. All of that goes away when you surrender and you're open up to opportunities. If you're sitting there holding on to something so tightly, just, I don't know or if we're video, but okay, I think we're just radio, but I'm, I'm holding my we're fist both. very tightly. <laughs> both, okay, I'm holding my fist very tightly, right? Yes. How can, I, how can I open my hands to grab an opportunity? Am I ready? No. Now I'm ready and that's surrender. It took me, it took me time to get there. Um, Absolutely. But this, this really, this philosophy, this understanding of surrender happened when my wife's cancer did recur because it, it went from, oh yeah, we can get through this to, oh, in, in an instant. You went from the sprint to the marathon. Thank you. Yeah, I went from the sprint to the marathon. The sprint can be won. The marathon's just ongoing. Ongoing. Yes. Yes. And, and that's why it's so important to take that breath, to focus on doing your best. Yes. Yes. I think this might be a great time to take a quick break. Um, when sure. we come back, I would like Rob to continue with this. Um, I believe that we have, for the people watching the video, a graphic that has an archer on it. And I heard what you had to say about the bow and arrow on the archer in regard oh, sure. to um, surrender. So okay. I think that'd be a, a great time and we'll come back in just a minute. When you lose a child, you find yourself part of a club that you never chose to join. There is a way to find meaning and joy in your life again. Jen Ripa has created a six week sacred grief system helping you let go of grief, heal with compassion, and understand what's available to you in the rest of your life. It can feel scary acknowledging that a part of you wants to move forward because you're not sure how to do it in a way that honors your child. The good news is that when you allow yourself to address your grief in a multi-sensory way, you can transition from sadness, regret, and hopelessness into a life that gives you peace, joy, and meaning. Jennifer understands with deep compassion how you're feeling because she's been there. For more information about the Sacred Grief Course, visit thriveology.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-O-L-O-G-I-E. 
www.thrivethrough.com. Caring for someone with a life-altering diagnosis? You are a care hero. Navigating the unfamiliar options can be overwhelming, but you are not alone. Tune in to A Cup of Comfort with me, Trish Lau, twice monthly on Transformation Talk Radio. Let me guide you through your care hero journey by providing actionable information on how to care for a loved one in need. For more information about me, visit trishlaub.com. That's trishlaub, L-A-U-B as in boy, dot com. Did you know that when we talk about the Earth's ecosystems, the most important ecosystem has been left out? You, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential. Find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles share stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. Are you ready to shift your life into overdrive and stop wasting your time? If so, then I want to invite you right now to the Body Regeneration Online Academy with me, Tracy L. In a world filled with so much information, you can get overloaded and confused, left feeling like you've tried everything and still no results. If this is you, then this platform is for you to help you step into your power, your intuition, and gain clarity. You will learn simple tools that you can use as you walk down the street, and I will teach you how to grow a stronger connection to the God consciousness. Imagine having me as your coach, shifting you, uplifting you, empowering you every week, and most of all, helping you stay connected so you can navigate your life's journey with ease and grace. Nothing will be able to get in your way. Plus, you will have a community filled with souls just like you to pick you up when you fall down and support you on your wins. No one can go this journey alone. If you are ready for your live activations, check me out at tracylclark.com and join the TLC Body Regeneration Online Academy now. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm Trish Laub and I'm guest hosting today. Before the break, my, my guest, Rob Party was um, we were talking about the concept of taking off your armor, whether that's due to caregiving or some other situation in your life and, and the um, word surrender and the action surrender. So I'm just gonna let you pick up with that. I did mention though, that um, in regard to surrender, I had heard you speak somewhere else about the image of an archer. And I thought sure. that was a great um, visual and representation of that word surrender and how it applies. Well. As, as we were talking about, sur surrender is, is, is complex because it touches on so many different things. We have, like, like we said earlier, we've attributed to giving up and it's, it's everything but giving up. And what surrender allows you to do is it allows you to look at yourself and value your strengths, value what you could build and say that other stuff, okay, I need to give that away. I need to put that somewhere else. And that's, that's the idea of the archer. Um, and it actually, it, it comes from ancient times, this whole idea, but when an archer pulls the bow back and focuses on the target, when they let go, they surrender because a gust of wind can come and all their planning to hit the bullseye will mean nothing. They, they can attempt to adjust for everything. I guess it would be the same thing as golf. I don't play golf, but um, when you let go of that bow, there's forces out of your control. Mm. There's the wind, there's a bird, an insect, I, you know, whatever can get in the way. And so, what surrender allows you to do is to focus on doing your best or your effort, not on the outcome. And it's in that moment, you know, intention fuels effort. 
and we can only do our best. And what I want everyone listening, I really want them to just listen to this one part. Your best is fluid. You're not 100% all the time. So one day you're going to be 40, one day you're going to be 100. But if your intention is to show up in your life and do your best, that's all you can do. And, and underlies that is surrender. I joke all the time. I say someone should drink a cup of tea every morning. And that's focusing on your thoughts, your efforts, and your actions. Making sure they're the best that you could put into play that day. And that is, that is surrender. That is being a care hero or the hero of your life. It's the hero's journey. And I think everything that you're saying really applies, as you said, when you're a care hero, it's like you're on, uh, I don't know, um, steroids or whatever. (laughs) Everything is intensified. I mean, you're literally, I I know for me, I was literally, I would get up in the morning before my feet hit the floor. I was asked to make a life or death decision. I mean, it's incredibly, it's like you're in the pressure cooker, but I, everything you're saying applies to everything that happens in my life. And I have to go back and and really back up what you said that, that um, your best is fluid. I mean, sometimes my best was so bad, but it was the best I had to give. Right. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't at the 40 mark. (laughs) I was way below that. Actually, my sisters sent me home sometimes. But just just think of that one thing, right? You said your best was so bad. I bet you I bet your intention oh, was a hundred percent higher higher than that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that that's why we have to understand, you know, we're we're human. I wanted to be a superman. Oh yeah. boy, did I want to be Superman. Um, and I tried as well at the beginning. It's not sustainable. And you're not good to anyone running yourself into the ground. And it's not just, we're not just talking about caregivers, we're talking in life. So, yeah. Well, and I think especially with caregivers, but again, I'm going to extrapolate that out to everyone, every situation, especially with caregivers, we can get really caught up with the checklist. Did they, did the person have their meds? Did they have this? And, you know, our intention is good, but we got to let go and go back to those moments. I can remember standing and a lot of my parents' life happened in a 10 by 10 family room during the day with a million people around and okay, maybe 15 family members and seven caregivers coming in and out in a week and things like that. But I would just step back sometimes and just watch. And I'd watch, I'd look at the look on my dad's face because he loved the attention or, you know, my mom, somebody brought her some cookies for lunch instead of, you know, like, other food (laughs) and it's in those moments and those maybe those you actually said something else that that if you can speak to i think you said that oh i think you said this maybe not but that's okay um that surrender starts in a moment it doesn't have to be oh my gosh we're going to flip the switch and you let go of everything it's a process so for me, standing back and looking in those moments was the first steps of a process of being able to let go of the checklist or the, to just be. Yes, uh, just be. You just, you, you hit it right on the head. Surrender allows you to be. It takes yeah. you away from doing. And so yes. the idea of the moment, we, we can't let go of everything immediately. We can't learn everything immediately. Everything is moments. Everything is accumulation. And so if we're surrendering, we're accumulating the ability to surrender, right? We have to go through that process. Um, the, the interesting thing in all of that, when, when we're talking about surrender, surrendering in life and the moments and that checklist that we all have, every single person listening probably has a checklist for something. We are built to need to control. It is ingrained in our mind because it's an idea of safety. It's false safety. And that's what also, that's what's so liberating about surrender. It's letting go of the false safety and living life for for what it is. 
when you when also when you surrender, you're more likely to ask for assistance for certain things, mm -hmm. and you grow because you're not always trying to overcompensate as well. And so it's, look, it's a philosophy, like everything in life needs to be a philosophy. Our thoughts, our behaviors have become habitual. We don't, yes. we don't know how we built it. It could have been our childhood, whatever the case is. And we live by it. It's the paradigm we live by. But if we want to change how we show up in our life, it's practice and it becomes a philosophy. The, the philosophers did not say, study this self-help book and you're going to be okay. <laughs> no, read this self-help book and put it into action. Sure. That's the difference. And it's uncomfortable. Surrender is uncomfortable because we want to control. So for people listening, how, mm -hmm. how does somebody start to surrender? So let's say they're in whatever situation it is where they want to control it and there's fear and there's all these things. What's their first step? Oh, that's a great, that, so just that taking is, a breath. That, that, well, it, it is, it is just taking a breath, but it's also when you're in a state of control, you've given everything a priority. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the, really the first step is to look at those priorities and realize what's not a priority. What if it goes wrong is not really gonna change right. anything. That's the beginning of surrender. That's what, when I talked about earlier about the, the unnecessary and the uncontrollable, that's what I meant about unnecessary. Mm -hmm. The, mm -hmm. Those things that, you know what? It will have a 0.5% impact on the overall thing. Let it go and see how you feel. Well, it's interesting you brought the pandemic up because I've been through the several times the care her journey, but the pandemic was an interesting opportunity, which we've all, we're all in this, <laughs> um, of realizing that for years before the pandemic hit in the back, I'd hear this little voice in the back of my head. I'm never going to get off the gerbil wheel. I'm never going to get out of this pattern. I'm never going to get out of this thing that I believe that our culture created and I had to live as part of. And then I was told to sit down on the couch and watch Netflix for a year or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, and that to me is a great example of surrender. And I watched so many people just in my own community, there were people who refused to surrender. Sure. I mean, we're absolutely belligerent about it. And I, I had a little, um, in, not incident, but I, I belong to a Facebook group with um, Care Heroes and somebody had posted asking if anybody got any, anything out of the pandemic. And I said, yes, I did. And um, some people came after me on that because they felt that, how could I say that? And then I posted after that and I said, you know, I lost a number of people. I have really close friends and family that are long haulers with COVID. It's not that I just skated through, but I couldn't control that. So all I could do was be in the moment and take advantage of anything good I could take. I could I, not, not take, but I could gain. I could watch yeah. for that. All I could do well, was sit back and take a breath because I didn't have a lot of options. Well, uh, it, it deviates a little bit, but just, just to talk about like that feeling that people had during, during the pandemic, mm -hmm which required surrender, but a lot of people suffered a loss of identity. Yes. And they fought against that. Yes. And they weren't willing to surrender into letting go of the uncontrollable and understanding what their identity really is. Because so many people identified with their job or the community that they used to go to the gym with or you name it, you know, and, and that wasn't there anymore. Now you're sitting in your house, you're in front, front of Netflix and your identity is violated to a certain extent. You feel your freedom is violated. Right. And so that was a moment to see what was under your control and what was not under your control.
but to tie it back for me, it was a great opportunity to say what's really important to yep. me. Exactly. Kind of like you were saying, you have to first surrender. You've got to kind of look at, okay, there's all this stuff that I, like you said, when you're, you're, when you don't surrender, everything is important. There's all this stuff I thought was important in my life. Yeah. And then we got sent home and I went, I mean, I used to live in my car. I used to drive everywhere. I've driven my car maybe five times this year. I don't miss <laughs> it. I don't care. You know, just so many things, but um, yeah, I, I think there's so many correlations that about what you're talking about in regard to your experience with Desiree that applies to everyone because yeah. it really does apply to every aspect of our lives. So for the people who have not yet been, because they probably will be care heroes someday, the way everything is going, um, you know, this is absolutely applicable and really important in every aspect of their lives. I believe it 100%. Yeah. So I know that there is, I think I, I, I have a note here that says that um, from one of our conversations about surrender being a vehicle to live in the moment and it can lead to resilience. There's another yeah. word for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so can you talk about resilience and maybe that connection between surrender and resilience? <laughs> sure. Um, uh, well, res resilience is my word. Uh, resilience is sort of everything that I embody. L let me just tie it together. Um, Please do. <laughs> sure. L let's go, let's go back to that armor, right? When mm -hmm. when when you when you, when you have the armor, when you're wearing the armor, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're mm -hmm. capable of. You identify with the shield. Get rid of all of that, surrender, and step in, knowing what you have, also knowing what your weaknesses are, and go into that arena. That that's resilience. You know, we we're all born with resilience. I, looking back on my life, I'm very grateful for the way I, I grew up, and that sounds odd to most people but it taught me to be resilient at a very young age. Because you mentioned this at the very beginning, our back against the wall. Mm -hmm. When our back is against the wall, or if you think about how many people listening right now, just, I wish you could raise your hand. Have you ever said to yourself, I can't take one more thing? But you're all still yes. here. You're all still here. That's resilience. But we don't know how to access it on demand. And to get to access it on demand, you have to surrender. You have to surrender because surrender allows you to be authentic. Because uh, look, I'm a, I'm a big superhero fan. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Resilience is the force. Plain and yes. simple, it is the force. Yes. And once you know how to access it and harness it and use it, it becomes a philosophy. It becomes when something bad happens. Look, I'm someone that falls. I'm not saying I don't fall. And boy, do I fall hard. I have this thing that I throw myself into the deepest, darkest, muckiest well of sewage and I'm down there because the worse I throw myself down, the faster I jump back up. And Resilience is about bouncing beyond that. You've just been through some, why do you want to bounce back? Thank you. Yes. You've just been through something. Use it, transform yourself, grow from it. So it's, it's about adapting to change positively, right? And none of that would be possible if you don't surrender to life because resilience lets you know you can't control anything but the way you react to it. And are you gonna let it knock you down or are you gonna get back up and takes two steps further? I always say, the question is, what's next? You got knocked down, you stand up, what's next? Or, you know, I said to myself, you know, people think, oh, okay, this ex-investment banker, yeah, he now lives in Italy. Well, I, my wife passed away. I had a tremendous amount of debt, like over a hundred grand. Um, and it wasn't just the medical system. It was a bunch of things. But when I paid off that debt, mm. 
I picked up my two suitcases. I moved to Italy and I said to myself, what if I can F and pull this off? Yeah. That was resilience. And just, I know we're running out of time. So I just wanted to say to the people listening, resilience to me is being addicted to overcoming the challenge to a certain extent. We are addicted to making things the worst they can be in our mind. And it's actually, it's yeah. actually proven because when it is not that bad, there's a sensation of relief. Dopamine is released in our brain and we feel good. Right. But resilience is feeling good, taking the challenge. And yes. it's, that's, I think, how you craft your life proactively, consciously. And what I think it's really important for people listening to hear is the concept of bouncing beyond, not bouncing back. Because if yes. nothing else, every person on this planet has been put in that situation in the last year with the pandemic. For sure. And I couldn't go back to what life was like a year ago if I wanted to. I don't want to. I can't bounce back. I have no choice but to bounce forward. People can go kicking and fighting but they're still going to have to go forward because yeah. at least in the United States, there are many, many things well-established in our culture that will never, ever be the same. The care paradigm for one has yeah. been forever changed. And so everything that you're saying, I mean, we've all just been put in the lab to test that. Yeah, and it really sure. is about bouncing forward. So yeah. I thank you. I want people to really hear that. Um, I want to make sure that people know how to find you and reach out to you. Um, sure. Um, well, the best way possible would be to go to my website, which is robertparty.com. And my last name is P-A-R-D as in David, I as in Italy. It's not party as in, you know, years in college. Uh, so, and um, I would love if people took a look at my tiny little podcast because it's only me talking for three to five minutes on different ideas. And that's um, Possibility in Action is the podcast. And where can they find that? They could find that. Um, it's listed on Buzzsprouts and, and a bunch of the others. Spotify, Stitcher. Spotify, yeah. yeah. And what I love about that is that it aims to broaden perspective and empower that, empower yourself in five minutes or less. Yes. I mean, even I've got five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I don't think I have much more, but that's what I really like about that. So. Huddle journey. Oh, for tell sure. Tell us about that. Okay. I, let's talk about the pandemic, right? And, and having it change your life and making yeah. something of it. I love to speak. I love to be in front of people. I love to host retreats that ended. And an yeah. opportunity came up to basically create a seven day journey on in an app. And basically Huddle Journeys, which is on Google Play or um, the Apple Store, is basically a life coach in your pocket. There mm -hmm. are all these journeys on different topics. I have one on resilience, one on loss, um, recording one now on joy, because they're all connected, oddly enough, with loss in the middle. And I've done one on leadership because that's also another world I come from. But for seven days, you go through theory and practice, theory and practice, nice. no more than 30 minutes a day. It's, one, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Again, finite amount of time. That's yeah, great bang for your buck there. It's awesome. Um, and chasing life. I keep saying it's going to be out this summer. Is it still just the summer? <laughs> it is. The <laughs> life. Before July 15th, before okay. July 15th. So. First half of the summer, it's coming out. And yeah, no, it's, it's July, first, where people July 1st it? to July 15th. It will be available on Amazon or Kindle. Okay. Um, then I will also be doing um, an audible. Uh, I, wa I want it to be in my voice. So, and it's, it's a lot more than just the story of caregiving and, and cancer. It's, it's, it's about, I watched a woman evolve. I watched a woman transform in front of my eyes into something that is incredible. Uh, it, it's difficult to even explain. And so 
it is about that and it is about understanding you can be joyful regardless of adversity absolutely so i'm so um, glad you said that so um yeah i highly recommend that you all i've have had the privilege of reading some of rob's books and uh, i highly recommend that you keep an eye out for it um I know we have a couple more minutes, but do you sure. do you want to share the story about the apple on the cover? Oh, so oh. for the people who are just listening, you haven't seen the cover. The cover is a caramel apple. And I first went, huh. And then I listened to some of Rob's interviews and things, and I went, oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. so we have a couple well, minutes if you can if you sure, feel like sharing sure. that. You can say pass. No, no, I, mean, I, I, I would love to share it. It was a bone <laughs> of contention. It was a bone of contention with the, the people helping me publish it because um, what does it have to do at all with chasing life? And, and chasing, life, chasing life is also something that, that the title is unusual, but the apple really represented my wife more than anything else in the fact that she allowed herself to be that inner child even though she was this accomplished doctor and everything else and it was it was about so much joy but basically i bought her a caramel apple for 24 years every every year every year for 24 years and the first time she's we were together when we were first dating i met her she was 17 i was 19 we were children and um we were in a mall and she saw this caramel apple and she bounced up and down like it's a caramel apple oh i love this season and so i you know i bought the caramel apple um and thinking about our journey it wasn't about losing her hmm. it was about the joy i shared with her and that's that's what the apple represents that's awesome yeah so I want to let everybody know that you can hear more about Rob's Care Hero journey on my show, A Cup of Comfort, on Tuesday, June 8th at 12 Pacific and 3 Eastern. Join us then and you'll hear more about the, um, his seven lessons he learned through his Care Hero journey. It too is really, really invaluable. So I want to thank you, Rob. It's been a pleasure to see you in person. Thank you for joining same, me today. Same for me. Was, I know it has changed the way that I think and my understanding of the words armor and surrender and resilience. And I'm sure it has done the same for all, everyone listening. I'm looking forward to talking to you again on June 8th. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today and sharing this time with me. It's been an honor and a pleasure to fill in for Dr. Pat. I'd really, really like to hear from people out there listening. Reach out to me with questions, comments, topics that you might want to hear on my show and um, share your story with me. Go to the Care Hero radio page of my website, trishlaub.com and fill out the contact form. I'd love, I'd really love to hear from you. I love feedback and I want to know what you think about this show. And while you're there, download the PDFs for the shows and sign up for my newsletter. Please join me on A Cup of Comfort the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month at 12 Pacific and 3 Eastern. On my next show on May 11th, I'll be talking with my special guest, Felicity Warner, who is the founder of the Soul Midwives program based in England. And again, I hope you all, you will all join Rob and me on the June 8th show. To those on a journey of providing care, especially those who have found themselves on the journey during the pandemic, remember that you are a real care hero. And to everyone, no matter your circumstances, live life forward and live with possibility and action. And finally, I hope you'll bring your favorite beverage and join me on a cup of comfort. Thanks for joining me today.